Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Good to see you guys. I uh, want to just say a quick um, quick thing of uh, thank you to uh, everybody that helped with Tuesday night and uh, were able to come out Tuesday night to uh, uh, our writer's round. Uh, we raised uh, a couple thousand dollars uh, toward uh, the beginning of uh, a fund that will be uh, for, you can clap, that's all right, go ahead, you lead the charge, come on Wendy Hunter. Uh, yeah, uh, that will be the beginning of a fund for uh, us to uh, uh, either buy or build or something for a Hope House. Uh, 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 this is a new Hope Center that we would be the sponsoring church. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces to this. I've had a lot of questions, I, and I love talking about it, so don't, don't hesitate to ask me something if you're wondering because uh, uh, there are a lot of things that uh, you would probably wonder about. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the things about being a sponsoring church for a Hope Center uh, is that anyone that is in that program during uh, their one year, if they go through the whole program, it's a year-long program, uh, during that time, uh, they would be attending church with us. So we would get to minister to them. But also, one of the pieces of that puzzle is uh, that if your loved one is uh, in the program, one of the only times that you can see your loved one is to go to church with them. So uh, we would we would immediately get to minister to all of these folks and their families uh, as a part of uh, helping them overcome uh, addiction in their lives, whatever that may be. And uh, it, it's just it's very exciting. Um, and uh, the truth here's the truth. The so just going back to the Tuesday night thing, uh, we we are blessed to have a. a bunch of songwriters in our church, uh, and they're, uh, we're blessed that they have a whole bunch of friends as well, uh, and they want to actually continue doing this. They, they are in the hopes that we could continue to have uh, these nights uh, as time goes on, and that they would continue to benefit uh, the Hope House. And so, um, anyway, we're, we're excited about all that. I just want to say a quick thank you to everybody that was involved. There was a lot of people uh, behind the scenes doing things and, uh, and a lot of folks that just gave their time and a lot of folks who just came out uh, to hang and give and we appreciate all of you and thank you for, for being a part of that exciting stuff. Um, so we are uh, in this series, you know, what is 24? And, uh, you know, the whole, the whole thing of what is 24, you know, we, we, we came to this uh, you know, came to this thought, you know, end of last year, toward the end of last year, that it would be a, it's great timing for us just to kind of go back and revisit some things that I think so many people that are a part of 24 know, uh, you know, and, or maybe did know. Uh, I think we sometimes forget, like, you know, what the trajectory is and what the goal is here and, and that sort of thing. And, and so we kind of came back to this idea that, uh, you know, it would be great for us to share the vision of the church and talk through those things. And so we've been doing that for the last several weeks. And today, uh, we're continuing to do that. Um, and today is, uh, you know, if you're looking at the gospel family mission piece of this, this is definitely uh, a big part of the mission. We've been talking a little bit more uh, about some of those things that are a part of mission uh, when it comes to that. And this is definitely uh, one of those pieces. Um, it, it's hard for me to, to not talk about uh, the beginning of 24, uh, when especially I'm getting to some of the pieces that I'm talking about today, uh, because the truth is, is that uh, God just, you know, really struck, I know, my heart and I think the hearts of, of many others to be a part of starting 24 Church uh, for many of the reasons that we're talking about today. Um, you know, I, when uh, the Lord really impressed upon me 
uh, that, you know, we were going to start a church, you know, that wasn't something that I went looking for, and I, most, most people know that, but if, if you're newer, you might not. Uh, I, I was a youth pastor. I was fine with youth ministry. In fact, I loved youth ministry. I, I still love youth ministry. I, sometimes I'm a little jealous of youth pastors or whatever. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, Jesse's like, no. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I do, and I, and, and I did, and, and I, you know, I, I thought I would do that for all of my life. I had seen my dad as a pastor uh, deal with all kinds of things, all kinds of stuff that I wanted nothing to do with in my life, you know, and, uh, and I was like, you know, I'm cool with what I'm doing and uh, the approach, you know, and, and you know, uh, Andy Stanley said this a long time ago, he said one of the best things that ever happened uh, to, the, to the local church was that uh, many years ago, youth ministers were given the carte blanche of just like, you know, go do whatever it takes to reach teenagers kind of thing. And then to follow that, uh, over the years, many of those student pastors and people that grew up, in, grew up in youth ministries like that also kind of adopted that philosophy and started asking questions of like, well, why can't the whole church approach ministry the way student ministry has approached ministry now for years? And so the, the idea was... Uh, you know, that we would, you know, uh, if we're going to start a church, that it was going to be something that was like what we were doing with teenagers. And, and in fact, I used to joke a lot and still do sometimes that, you know, basically we just, we just started a church that was like student ministry for adults, uh, you know, so to speak. And so uh, every day is going to a theme park, right? And so uh, we, uh, that's, that's, that's a little bit of the behind the scenes of how we got here. But some of the big pieces were, you know, where is God leading us to plant a church? Where is God leading us to, to start a new church? And we prayed over that and thought over that. And, you know, we talked about Nashville. We talked, to, at the time, we were outside of Memphis. We talked about that area. Um, you know, honestly, we probably could have gone in e- e- any of those places, a million other places, whatever. And at the end of the day, uh, I grew up in this area, and I had a lot of friends in this area who, some of them were going to church, some of them were not, but almost none of them were actively pursuing Jesus to be used for the kingdom of God. And uh, many of them knew Jesus, but they just, you know, they weren't plugged in, they weren't engaged, they weren't growing in their faith, they weren't serving the Lord. And furthermore, uh, I still had friends that didn't know Jesus too. And couple all that together along with uh, a conversation, a key conversation that uh, Joey and I had one night, uh, this is a long time ago, 2004, I guess, maybe the end of 2003, uh, and I mentioned to him while we were in, I guess it was 2003, I mentioned to him while we were in uh, visiting for Christmas uh, that uh, Joey and I have known each other for a long time, I mentioned to him while I was in for Christmas while we were in that, uh, you know, I had began feeling like God maybe was leading me to do this. And oddly enough, God had spoken to his heart also about uh, similarly being a part of a new church that would reach people that were coming. And at that time, he was uh, knee-deep uh, into some of the real estate market uh, as an agent and that kind of thing. And uh, we took a ride up to Pleasant He said, He said, I, I know the place. And I said, okay. And so uh, we rode up to Pleasant View, and we just started riding Roads we had driven down for years, but subdivisions that I had never seen had uh, appeared and that sort of thing. And so, long story short, you know, we just began praying, 
and thinking and, and seeking the Lord about what it might look like for us to be uh, starting a church here uh, with the idea and the understanding that you know this place between two county seats and between two cities uh, would eventually probably somewhat grow together. As much as I know a lot of people don't like that, uh, we believed that that would happen, and we based that upon uh, the idea that there would need to be a church here uh, that would be willing to reach folks in different ways. Um, we believe that God uses different types of churches to reach different types of people. It doesn't make one church better than another. Uh, it just means, you know, we all have a calling. Um, and our mission, based upon all of that, our mission from the get-go has been about reaching others, uh, reaching the lost, uh, even, even reaching what, I, what we call the de-churched, people that gave up on church. I've had, I feel like, multiple conversations this week with people um, you know, who, you know, at some point were burned by church, uh, you know, and, and now on the back side of that, you know, their conversations with me, they're being kind, but I can tell or, you know, well, I gave that a shot and I'm kind of done with that. And I'm like, no, no, let's don't be done with that. Let me, let me, let's have a talk here. Let's, you know, let's spend some time together and, and, and hash a little bit of this out. Uh, I get I get people get burned. I get people uh, get put off. You know different things. But the truth is, is that the Lord has a plan for everyone's lives. Um, and so, uh, in starting twenty four, we were thinking a whole lot about people needing Jesus. Um, thinking about the idea that we would be missionaries right here. That God was calling us to. Engage culture, engage people that don't know Jesus, uh, and uh, we began to do that, and uh, we've been doing that now for 17 plus years. Um, you know, the thing that um, about uh, reaching people for Christ, people I think before they ever get to the starting line of that, uh, talk themselves out of it before they ever get there. They, I think people forget, people forget I, that we don't save anybody. I don't save anybody. You don't save anybody. Uh, God is the one that saves people. And he speaks to their hearts. You know, and, and the funny thing is, is even this week, um, even this week, something happened while we were uh, at, uh, at the venue where we did the writer's night where one of the bartenders who I've been building a relationship with for some time uh, heard what that evening was going to be about, and turned out that he's got a loved one that is in the middle of a battle with addiction, is currently in jail, and he, and he began to ask about this sober living house and wanted to know if we could help. You know, this led to this conversation that led to the gospel, you know, and, and the truth is, is like, from the get-go of that conversation, I was like, Lord, are you opening a door right now? You know, it's like, are we, are we really doing this right now? You know, and I've had a couple moments, I'm sure you have too, where it's like, are you really just like asking me point blank, like what I believe about this, what I think about this, you know, whatnot. And so uh, anyway, it's just amazing when it happens. And, and the truth is, is that, you know, relational evangelism, uh, you know, is, is uh, I, I, think, I think, the way to go. You know, I mean, you, you can do... Yeah, you can do the street corner thing, you can, do, you can do it all kinds of different ways, but when we're talking about engaging the culture in which we live in, I really truly believe that God wants to use us in the relationships that he's putting in our lives. I'm constantly, constantly these days asking God, God, why are you putting me here right now? And, and, and just to be frank, 
One of those things is with my side business, one of the situations that he has put me in with that venue where we had the thing Tuesday night uh, is I'm con- he's, he is putting all new people in my life every time I turn around whom I am going to get to know, build relationships with, where we have to trust one another in great ways, and suddenly I'm finding myself sitting down next to people at bars who I've only known for a couple months, but I'm looking at them going, how you doing? And they're spilling the beans, you know? They need somebody to talk to. They need somebody that cares. Folks, that's, it's so natural if we'll let it be, and we won't overthink it. And, and, and I'll tell you, I, I truly believe that part of this and the reason that so many of us don't make it to the starting line of ever talking about the gospel with people is because, number one, we personally are not in the place where we need to be with Jesus in our worship. Now, we talked about worship several weeks ago, and I made mention when we did that worship is what fuels mission. And it completely is. Like our relationship with Jesus has to be what fuels mission. It can't be because you came to church today and Chris got you all jacked up talking about the lost and talking about how they need Jesus and we don't want them to go to hell or all these things, you know, but that you really want to just go out there and just charge hell with a water pistol and just try to save everybody. Well, you won't. (laughs) Because you can't save anybody, number one. And number two, it has to come from God working in us. When we are right with the Lord, He will impress upon our hearts the things that we need. He will teach us the things through His Word. He will challenge us, give us a burden for people. You know what happens when you have a burden for people? You change your life around it. I sometimes end up staying longer than I should at places like that Because I'm burdened for the people that are there and I realize that the Lord didn't put me there for business. He put me there for the kingdom. Folks, we have to see our lives through those lenses. That is our calling. That 100% is our calling all the time wherever we go. It's not church life and then work life. It's not church life, family life. It's, It's... It's the kingdom all the time. All the time, God is giving us an opportunity to do something incredible by getting to be a part of the process of Him speaking through us that others might experience His love, His care. Matthew 28, we talked about this last week. And in Matthew 28, we have... uh, Jesus, some of his last teaching before he goes back to be with the Father. This is after the resurrection. He's been killed on a cross. He's back from the dead. We only have a handful of teachings from him during that time. I'm going to go on record and say I think that it's important for us to pay attention to what the man said after he came back from the dead. Okay? This is one of those teachings, Matthew 28, verse 18 known as the Great Commission, says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now I've said till I'm blue in the face and we'll say it again. 
Jesus spent his whole ministry, his whole ministry serving others. He spent his whole ministry trying to help us to see that our calling while we are here sucking wind is that we would love others and serve others. But why? Is it so we can pat ourselves on the back and feel good about things? No. That we would love and serve for the sake of the gospel. That they would experience God's love through us. That they might hear the gospel taught through us. Oddly enough, this is the last thing that Jesus would tell the disciples. And it's the first thing that we would see them do in the book of Acts. Think about that for a minute. All nations, starting in Jerusalem, Jesus called a bunch of fishermen. When Jesus called the disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 4, it's also in Mark. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. These guys were already fishermen. Many of them, okay? Many of them were already fishermen. Specifically in those passages, there's guys that literally were in the middle of fishing and he walks up to the sea and he's like, hey, you guys, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In that particular situation where Jesus calls that, is, is saying that statement, he is saying that to what would end up being his inner three of his disciples, kind of his inner circle, if you would. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus understood that they got the idea of, number one, work, okay, hard work, and number two, that it meant catching something. And in this particular situation, it meant catching people, not just fish. Romans 1.16, we see Paul share with us this piece of the gospel about the gospel and how we respond to the gospel. And he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says, he's saying a couple things there. Number one, I'm going to be about the gospel not ashamed. And we know Paul well enough through the letters that we have of his, that we have as scripture now in the New Testament to all these churches, uh, that he was bold. He was bold. I'll tell you what was funny this past Tuesday was, um, you know, I, I've been in this little venture where we had the thing Tuesday night uh, with my side business as a, as a partner and, and having some equipment there. That's for those of you that uh, didn't know that. I'm sorry I'm talking about it and you're probably like, what in the world is he talking about? Um, I try not to talk about that stuff too much, but at the same time, I've I, I got to tell you just kind of how the Lord's working. So we've been in this little venture now for like two and a half months, uh, and I've really, I've actually, I've, re I've really actually enjoyed it. I've enjoyed getting to meet and, and build relationships with some of these folks, and I, I feel the Lord, you know, like, I don't know, I just, I can just tell he's like doing something there, um, which is cool. Uh, it's a cool place too, which that doesn't hurt anything, uh, but Tuesday, as People started learning what was happening Tuesday night, talking about people that work there, uh, different folks, folks that I've been building relationships with now for a couple of months. Some of them have known that I'm a pastor, and some of them have not. You know, and I don't, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, easing into building these relationships with folks and that kind of thing. 
But Tuesday, when they found out what we were doing Tuesday night and word was getting around, you know, Chris, the pinball guy, is putting on a show in the venue tonight. And they're like, what? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's a benefit for a sober living house. And then, you know, in through those conversations, like, did you hear Chris is not just a pinball guy? You know, and they're like, and so I, you know, I started having these conversations, and and they'd be like, "Are are you a pastor?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's my full time gig." And they're like, "Really?" I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, and the doors just open, the doors just open, the conversations begin to start, you know, because I cared about them first for who they are as a person. And they know that, and I hope they know that. You know, God puts us in these situations to do things, but we have to go with boldness. We can't, you know, in those, in those moments, it'd be easy for me to go, oh, I'm not, uh, Pastor, what? I don't know what you're talking about, you know. Of course, that would, that would get back real fast. Uh, you know, like, oh, you know, I found you on the Internet. We found you out, you know. Uh, I don't know. You know, but I just, I just look at that, and I see what Paul's saying here, and I see this whole, like, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I think if we were real honest with ourselves, God is putting people in our lives of all different walks of life. And, and the truth is, is that the gospel is not for one type of person. It's for all types of people. All nations, it says in the Great Commission. All nations. And again, I think we get scared away from the idea that we're supposed to be able to share something that has so much weight. I mean, right there it says, for it is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. I love that statement. I love that statement. But, I, but I'll tell you, it's also this reminder for me that it is the power of God for salvation. It is not the power of God. It's not, it's not Chris's power for salvation. It's God's power for salvation. And God's calling us and wanting to use us through these opportunities, through these relationships. Again, look at Jesus. Look at the entire ministry that he had. He goes about building relationships. A lot of times with people he's not supposed to be building relationships with. You know, one of the biggest conversations I had this past week with them at the venue was there's two bars, and they were like, you know, there was several times that I fielded the whole like, so you're having a, a, an event where you're raising money, for a sober living house at the bar. And I said, believe me, the irony has not fallen deaf on our church of what's happening here. We're just grateful. We're just grateful. And they're like, cool, I like it, you know. You can't write the endings to these things, folks, I'm just telling you. I want to talk about the gospel and the process of others receiving it. But I really what I want to do is I want to share this, this passage with you out of the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 says this in verse 8. And, and, and we've have, we, have, we have a couple of little sections here. I want to read both sections uh, together because I, I feel like it's good for us to hear the gospel preached over us, okay? 
And, and then secondly, uh, you know, I, I, see, I see some of the calling piece that's coming after that. But here we go, Ver, uh, verse 8, Romans 10. It says, but what does it, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. A couple of things in this passage that I want to point out quickly. First of all, uh, we mentioned the Jew and Greek thing. This is, this is a big deal. You know, for them at this point in time, like there was so much segregation when it came to the population of, of people around there, uh, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, you could have, uh, you know, Jesus goes and talks to the woman at the well who's a Samaritan, you know, that's a great example of this, <clears throat> you know, the fact that Paul is pinning this, that the Lord is using him to pin this at this point in time is him making, you know, uh, almost an equivalent of like a Martin Luther King kind of stand, you know, for, you know, against segregation and that the Lord loves everyone, you know, which I love this. Uh, furthermore, you also have, you know, some of these pieces that I think is good for us uh, to see and to be reminded of <clears throat> when it comes to what it means to know Christ as our Savior. It says, we'll go back to this, it says in verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, I think there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of folks that uh, like to argue, and I hope we don't argue about it. Uh, I love talking about it, and I think that's great. Um, but there's a lot of folks that want to talk about the differences in belief and how you come uh, to Jesus. First of all, I believe Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. Uh, now, he may do that through the hearing of the gospel, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but, you know, when we see this, what we see is we see something that is going on inside of a person. We see this, as, I'll say it again, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, obviously that's an outward thing, that's a speaking something out of your mouth thing, but then it goes, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So, so this is a heart piece right here. This is a piece about what it means to really believe something in your heart. <clears throat> you can say something and not really believe it. Saying something doesn't make it true, you know? You know what I'm saying? And, and I, think, I think for so many of us, I think that, again, we stop ourselves before we ever get to the starting line of sharing Christ with someone else because we think we don't know enough. And the truth is it is so simple. It's this understanding that we're sinners, we need a Savior, we're, and the, whole, the reason we need a Savior, Scripture teaches that, that the, uh, the penalty for sin is death. Jesus took that death on our behalf, right, that we might be able to know Christ and be saved through him and the work that he did on the cross, shedding his blood for us. But not just that, he rose from the dead three days later and defeated death on our behalf as well. So when we read this, 
and we see this, and when we're talking to someone, instead of confusing ourselves, it's easy, I mean, it's so easy to, to go to Scripture. We can go to John 3.16, we'll do that in a little bit, uh, you know, that, that you can go straight to that, even, you know, and just say, hey, I want to share this, share this passage with you. Maybe you've heard it before. And just read it straight from Scripture. We don't, we don't have to have every answer to every single thing. I don't have all the answers. Uh, many times somebody asks me something, some theological question. I say, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to go look that up. I'm going to go spend some time on that. I'm going to go see what Scripture says about that. And here's the truth. We don't want to just make something up on the fly. And it's okay to not have all the answers. We can turn around and say, you know what? I want to see what Scripture says. I want to see what the Lord says about that. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then you skip down to verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But this this is a hard issue. This is a hard issue. It's a belief issue. Do you really believe? No one can make you believe, and we can't make anybody else believe. And the, and the truth is, is that, you know, we can't make, it's not about, you know, trying to talk somebody into something. It's about just being faithful to the process in which God has called us to be a part of, that we would share when the opportunity arises, when we know it's right. You, you'll know when it's right. You'll know when it's right. The truth is, is that God's put people in your life right now that the time is probably right for right now in their lives and in your life because of maybe where, maybe where your friendship is with them. Maybe your friendship has grown and you, just, you, feel, you, know, you feel like something's happening there that's very special. Guess what? God's giving you that. God's doing that. Don't, don't miss the moment, okay? Now I want to read the second little section of this that I wanted to talk to you about. Verse 14, Romans 10, verse 14. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how, it's a bunch of questions, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So this is a a great picture of just this reminder that you can't respond to something that you don't know about. And that our call to be Jesus in the lives of all these people that he has put in our lives is way more important than I think we realize on a daily basis. Now again, I think some of this goes back to where are we with the Lord? Where is our worship with the Lord? If your worship is with the Lord where you like, you're loving Jesus, you're growing in him and all these things, I promise you, you're, you're not just going to desire more knowledge about God, you're going to desire people that God has put in your life, you're going to desire to see them come to Jesus. You're going to be concerned for them. You're going to be worried about them. You're, and, and, and hence, what's going to happen, you're going to hopefully 
Begin to pray for them. Pray for them. Right now, you have people in your life that God has put there for a reason. Maybe you haven't put it together, maybe until literally in this very moment. And that's okay. That's all right. That's not your fault. But as you pursue Jesus, and you pursue Him heavily, He's going to give you a burden for their lives and for them to know who Jesus is. You want them to know the peace that you know. You want them to experience the salvation that you've experienced. I know I do. I don't, I don't say that loosely. Like, literally, we started a church mostly over that purpose right there. That we would be missionaries into this community that people would know Christ. That people would not be ashamed of Jesus. That God would want to use us collectively as a church to lead others to Him. That means cultivating relationships. It means spending time. It means investing. You know? I mean, the truth is, is you know, it's easy to invest in people's lives. I say it's easy. I mean, if we love them, it's easy. It's not always easy if, we, if we're not crazy about them, right? You know, but the truth is, is that God puts all kinds of people in our lives for us to invest in. It's also an easy thing to invite them to come to church with us. Invite them to come to worship with you. That's an easy thing to do. You say, well, Chris, I just don't know about the conversation part of it. Don't talk yourself out of it before you get there. You see, they have to hear the gospel. Somewhere along the way, we had to hear the gospel. They have to hear the gospel. And it's from that it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It says, how will they know? And how are they, you know, to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless someone is sent? Folks, we are sent. We are sent. And I know sometimes that scares people or whatever. Don't be scared by it. I mean, we talk about everything else. We talk about the other things we're passionate about. Get some of you folks going on some politics. Y'all get passionate about that junk like that, right? Why do we get passionate about that stuff? We get passionate about that stuff because of things like rights, money, you know, which sometimes I think kind of points to idols that we might have. You know, I'm not saying that stuff's not important. It is. But, I mean, we, we get passionate about all kinds of things. We get passionate about, you know, what we're into, our hobby or our business or anything, you know? The truth is, the most important thing that we've ever been given is our salvation through Jesus. Later on, Jesus would return from the resurrection to speak to them in John 21. And in John 21, and we're not reading it together, but you can go check it out on your own. John 21 is one of my favorite passages. And it's where, uh, again, he's come back from the dead, and Jesus comes along the side of the sea, and some of the disciples are out in a boat, and they're fishing. And they've been fishing all night, the Scripture says, and have caught nothing. Don't you love when you go fishing, and you catch nothing? Like, it's like, you know, and, and you know, I love, because <laughs> this has happened to me many times, and some of you have taken me, and you've been very gracious uh, in taking me, and because I, I, I do love to go when I get to go. Uh, but sometimes it's so funny, like, you know, when, when you're leaving a fishing, a time of fishing together with other people, and it didn't go well, the things that you say, is like, well, 
at least we had a nice day, right? At least, at least the water was calm. You know, at least the sun was out. At least we weren't getting poured on. And I'm thinking, yeah, because if it was pouring, I never would have come. You know, I'd been, I'd been at the house, you know. <laughs> but Jesus comes up on the disciples, and they have fished all night and caught nothing, right? And he, and he hollers out to them. And they don't know it's him. We know this because the Scripture says so. They don't realize it's Jesus. And he hollers out to him, and he says, Cast your nets to the other side. Cast your nets to the other side. And so they cast their nets to the other side. And of course, not only do they catch fish, they're catching so many fish, they can't pull the nets in. And so then they come in, and one of them realizes at this moment, and he says, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. And so then they take the boat in, and when they get there, Jesus already has a campfire going. Okay, and not only has he got a campfire going, he's got fish already on it. I don't know where those fish came from, but he's Jesus, so, you know, we can just, he probably just told him to jump out of the water onto the fire, I'm not sure, but he's already got a little something going. He's got some bread, too. I don't know if he went to the market or what, but uh, anyway, he's got bread, he's got fish, and he's like, hey, bring some of those fish over here and, and let's, have, let's have something to eat. And so then they have this, this moment, you know. And again, I, I think back to the day that he called them. And he said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And here they are now catching all the fish that they need. And, and he's, he's, he's making a point. And we don't have time to go all the way into it. But he's making a point about, guys, I've given you a calling. Don't stop. Don't stop. Go. Cast the nets. Cast the nets to the other side. You're not fishing. You're not, you're not catching anything over here? Okay, cast the nets over there. See what, see, what, see what I can do through this. Funny thing is, another one of my favorite passages, a whole big favorite passage here, is right after this is the moment when he sets down, and I'm, I'm imagining him sitting at the campfire, maybe. They're having fish, whatever, and he starts talking to Peter, and this is when he asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course I do. And then he says again, Peter, do you, do you, do you truly love me? And Peter's like, I do, Lord. And then, and then he just says it again, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And each time, Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. This is our Lord. This is the one who came and gave his life for us. And the most important thing that he has to give, he gives through the, the greatest commandment, right? Go to all nations, and then he turns and says to Peter, feed my sheep over some fish. And I just think to myself, you know, it's always been about this. It's always been about our call to invest in others, to bring them along with us in life. Relationships, our ministry, 
to bring them along with us, to join them where they are sometimes. I find myself doing a good bit of that here lately, kind of purposely putting myself into the lives of people I feel like God is putting around me. So many businesses these days can't get anyone to work. Jesus said it first, harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I see plenty of workers. I see plenty of workers. We just got to be faithful to planting seeds. Quit, quit worrying about the end thing so much that we talk ourselves out of it. What if I get in a conversation and I can't finish? Whatever. Quit worrying about that. Tend the crops. Feed the sheep. Luke 10, 2 says this. He says, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. We need to pray. We need to pray for the church. We need to pray for those that God is leading to be Jesus in the lives of others. We need to pray for the people that God is preparing the hearts that we're going to speak with, that we're building relationships with, some of them that we don't even know. Maybe we don't know them, but maybe we will because of next sports season. You know, maybe we will, uh, you know, next week because they're going to get hired on at work. Maybe God wants to do something special. I had someone this week, actually, a friend of mine who's not a believer, Talk to me a little bit about, we got to talk about the Sober Living House, talking about the Hope Center. And uh, he's had some battles himself at times, and he says, is this going to be faith-based? And I said, yeah. I said, it is. He said, well, you know, I've been to some things that were faith-based, and I, they, uh, you know, you guys like to tell us what we need, you know. I just let, I was letting him talk, you know, we're, we're good friends, and, and he can do that with me, and he knows that. And he said, you know, you guys want to tell us what we need. And I said, yeah. I said, you're right. I said, because we, but we really believe it. Like if I've got something that I know is going to save your life, and I don't give it to you, I don't tell you about it, what kind of friend am I? And the truth is, is that this is the reminder Yes, the addict needs Jesus. The orphan needs Jesus. The kid stuck in that house being abused needs Jesus. The widow needs Jesus. The hypocrite needs Jesus. I need Jesus. We need Jesus. Our community needs Jesus. My coworker needs Jesus. My neighbor needs Jesus. My family needs Jesus. And that means we can't be ashamed of the gospel. God sent His Son Jesus to live the perfect life, to die the death that we deserve for our sin and rose three days later, defeating death on our behalf that we might have eternal life. And with that, I read this to you, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life. Not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Next week we'll talk about why we serve, why we are a serving church. May God send us with boldness. May we not be ashamed of the gospel.
Let's pray. God, you have a plan. And the truth is we like to think we do, but we don't. We, we, we need to rely on your plan and quit thinking about ours most of the time. God, help us with that. God, help us with that. Help us to trust you in the small ways. Help us to see, Lord, what you've got for us. Help us to put all faith in you for these moments in life that you want to use us. May we be faithful, Lord, in just following you. Lord, even even blindfolded, just following you. That you might speak to our hearts along the way. That our hearts might look like yours. That we might... You know, somewhat look like you to the world that you have called us to. Lord, help us. Help us to be Jesus to those people that you've called us to in our lives. God, I pray for them right now. God, help us to pray for them. God, may we pray for them daily. May you burden our hearts with their names and their faces that we not stop bringing them to you, asking you to work in their hearts for you to do the saving work that only you can of salvation through your son Jesus Christ. God, help us just to be faithful. Help us to share. God, change our hearts and change theirs. Lord, use us for your glory. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.